Hi, and welcome to Be the Flagship with our podcast host, Jeff Parsons. This is where we tackle the day-to-day talent management challenges you face, particularly in hospice and small healthcare organizations. And now, over to our host. Take it away, Jeff. Hello again, and welcome to Be the Flagship. I'm your podcast host, Jeff Parsons. We have another great episode for you today with guest speaker Heather Thompson. And our topic today, workplace culture. But before we get started with Heather, let's take a quick break. At Flagship Talent, we work with our clients to find and place the right talent. What do we mean by the right talent? We mean we find talent who will commit to your organizational goals and align with your values and behavior expectations. Talent who will perform to your expectations. Talent who will stay and grow with your organization. How are we different from our competitors? We offer the lowest fee structure in the industry. We offer the best talent guarantee in the industry. We provide selection and interviewing support to our clients at no additional fee. We want to save you money, deliver high-quality talent, become an extension of your organization, and be your preferred provider of talent acquisition solutions. To learn more, contact Jeff Parsons by email at jeff at flagshiptalent.com or by phone at 1-800-530-4189, extension 101. Okay, we're back. Our guest speaker today is Heather Thompson. Uh, Heather, thank you for joining us today. And could you tell us more about who you are, what you do, and the organization you serve? Hi, Jeff. Thank you for having me on. I'm Heather Thompson, and I am the vice president of hospice for Ultimate Plus Hospice. And I got my start, honestly, as a nurse's daughter. My mom is a hospice nurse. She's retired now. But growing up, I always saw what she did and the impact that she had on family members and patients that she served. And I just thought it was such a beautiful thing. That being said, my father was always in sales, and I had that passion for sales and to be in the community and, and and selling something, whether it be a business or a product. And years went by and I realized there was actually a position that was uh, encompassing of the two. And so I started my career about 15 years ago, working for a company that had both home health and hospice, and I was in business development for them. Loved the company, um, enjoyed what we did, enjoyed learning. And then they closed down the home health division. So it was only a hospice organization at that point. Um, In my early 20s, (laughs) I thought anybody that worked in hospice was completely crazy after having dealt with it for a little while. And so I left and and worked strictly in home health for several years. Um, Over the course of those years, my heart just, of course, pulled me back to the hospice world. And it's something that I am truly, truly passionate about and cannot imagine spending one second doing anything other than what we're doing in hospice. Okay. So I have a question for you. So I ask this question of other hospice professionals when I interview them. Uh, do, do you feel that hospice work is is a calling, if you will? you feel like you were led into that or it just sort of happened? No, it did not just sort of happen. Um, I, I feel like it's in my blood. My mom always says, you know, she's a retired hospice nurse, and she's always said that hospice care is the love of her life. And um, after having been doing this now 15 years, I completely understand that. And I don't think that people can be successful in hospice care or in-home care of any kind without the passion, um, because we're serving people, you know, we're serving families, we're trying to help during the most painful times of someone's life. 
And without having that passion for that, I just don't think that you have that full draw to be able to give really all of yourself and all of your emotions and all of your skills and knowledge all, you know, kind of wrapped up into one little package for a family. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I definitely feel like it's a mission. Got it. So when you when you say you're the VP of hospice, so is what is your primary focus? Is it clinical operations? Is it business development? What is it? So I'm mainly involved in the business development side when it comes to the operations. However, I do have a hand in in the entire company. So that's been very exciting. Good. Uh, and you're down in Texas, right? Yes, sir. We um, have an office in Mesquite, Texas. That's our main office. We also have an office in Fort Worth, Texas, and one in Greenville, Texas. And we're hoping within the next several months to open one in East Texas around the Maybank or Canton area. Gotcha. That's exciting, right? It's growth, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's been so thrilling to see. Um, you know, in the last two and a half years, every one of these three current offices are brand new and, and we've either moved into them or, or um, you just started an operation in that area. We've got plans mm -hmm. to grow further in Texas. So it's been very, very exciting. Gotcha. Well, congratulations on the growth. So Heather, could you give us more detail about your organization, please? Perfect. Thank you. I will. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> um, so we're, we're unique in the fact that we have three different divisions within our organization in Texas. And we have the home health division. We also have a private caregiver, PHC division. And then we have my passion, which is hospice. So we have all levels of care. And really, we are able to give the full continuum of care to any of our patients. Um, we're very, very proactive when it comes to patients on home health that are declining. We can then move them to the higher level of care within hospice. Or maybe a patient on hospice that needs additional care that Medicare won't cover. We then have the private caregiver division that we can have a, a caregiver come and, and stay for hours at a time. And then, of course, with hospice patients, those that improve, we call that extended prognosis, we can take them off of hospice care and not leave them high and dry, but put them back on home health care for therapy or rehab or just nursing care. So we're an organization that has all levels of care and we all work very, very well together, yet independently at the same time. Gotcha. Sounds like a great place, Heather. Thank you. Oh, uh, and and. Today's episode, we're focusing on workplace culture. My favorite. And, uh, you know, you struck, yeah, you struck me with some of the, the LinkedIn posts you put out there, you know, recognizing your team or various teams. And it's like, you know, she understands, she gets it in terms of a workplace culture. And, and, you know, that's why I reached out and said, hey, you know, could you contribute? Could you help? So in your view, and, and, and again, the purpose is to interview practitioners, those who are actually in the field or in the, in the industry, uh, and get their views on these matters. And, and in this case, again, workplace culture. So how important is workplace, workplace culture in your organization, Heather? Well, thank you for asking that, Jeff. It's very important. And, um, you know, I am so proud of the fact that you recognized that we celebrate our team members um, because I'd rather be applauded for, you know, having a happy group of people and, and being in a happy environment at work in what we do, which is so, so very difficult and emotionally draining than I would be to, um, you know, talk about how many patients we have on census or, or whatnot, because it's hand in hand. 
our our company will not be successful unless our employees and our team members are happy. Um, and so, you know, when I came to the company, that was one of the very first things that the owners, you know, even brought up was the company culture and how different it is. And um, I really, really am proud of the way that our company organization and leadership um, really in, instills the culture into our daily life. So how do you think your work culture impacts your organization? So can you give me some examples? Oh, sure. Uh, you know, we work with hospice care. We work in end-of-life care, and um, it's a sensitive te- Excuse me. It's a sensitive topic. And if our employees are miserable and they feel undervalued or they feel underappreciated, no matter how sensitive their day-to-day job is in the home, they're still not going to feel that pride in ultimate and not, they won't, they, they'll carry some kind of burden or resentment. And I think that that comes off in front of family members. It comes off in front of patients. It comes off in front of referral sources and physicians and uh, the people that we market to. And so, you know, how hard is it for us to to share our appreciation for what we each do? Because nobody on our team could do their job without everybody else on our team doing the job. And so we understand how important each person's job is. And it's easy to appreciate somebody and tell them thank you or recognize something that they've done above and beyond. Um, so it definitely carries through in the community. And, and I think that we've really built a great reputation for ourselves as far as our culture and our happiness. Um, because people come to me asking for, you know, jobs or interviews quite frequently based on the fact that the people that they've talked to within our organization are so happy. Right. And and you just answered the next question I was going to have in terms of uh, work culture and how it's demonstrated outside your organization. So I heard you say that you really feel strongly that your work culture, whether it's positive or whether it's toxic, is demonstrated and people can see that outside your organization, patients, patients, families, communities, that sort of thing. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, You know, in what we do, our emotions are involved in every single visit that we make. These are hard visits. These are hard conversations. Um, You know, sometimes these patients and their family members are finding out that there is no cure and, and there is a shorter life expectancy than they expected. And those are very, very hard conversations to have. So we already have our emotions on our sleeves during the day. Then if you were to top on being miserable because you can't work with somebody or they're not nice to you or they're not complimentary or, or you know, they're not supportive, that just makes it 10 times worse. And that's when we go home, we're miserable, we can't stand the thought of getting up the next day. And it's it's detrimental to what we do. Um, and I will say this is the very first company I've worked at in 15 years that I have felt these types of emotions when it comes to what we're doing, how we're doing it, and the utter happiness. I mean, complete and total happiness in my line of work and in the company that I'm with. Mm-hmm. And it's it starts from the owners. Okay. That's what they built this company from is, is the idea that culture is going to be at our core. Mm-hmm. And, and which leads me as a nice bridge to my next question, Heather. So what <laughs> what do you feel are the components of workplace culture? You know, I look at it as a puzzle box with all these pieces in it, right? And and these various pieces, when you put them all together, can either uh, form a, a pretty picture, the one that's not so attractive as it relates to workplace culture. So what? How, how would you define the components of workplace culture? Well, I believe it starts with respect for one another. Um, you know, we're, we're with these people the majority of, of the day, and we're 
bouncing ideas off of one another, getting help from one another. And what my boss says on almost a daily basis, Michael McGibbon, he's the president of our company. He says everyone has a voice. And from the moment we have our first interview with somebody to the, you know, the day that they decide to leave the company or or whatnot, um, everyone has a voice. And so, you know, titles don't mean a whole heck of a lot when it comes to spreading ideas, sharing what you think might work better. Um, You know, um, everyone has a voice. And so whether it's a good idea, a small idea or a big idea, we're going to talk those through. We're going to figure out what would work best for us and we're going to put it into Mm -hmm. action. And so whether it's somebody that's out in the field, it's a nurse, it's one of our medical directors, or if it's somebody that's, you know, doing intake or in the office doing administrative work, we want to know what ideas people have. And so I feel like that gives people a really strong sense of community within our company um, because every voice does matter. And again, like I said earlier, each of our jobs depend on the other. And so, um, you know, if somebody has an idea that we can do better in any type of situation, let's put it into action. That's really important. Um, We also have a weekly issues call where if there's problems going on, whether it's big or small, um, and it's a operational issue, we put it on paper, we all get together as a team and a company, we go over the issues, how it happened, what the suggested resolution is, and we assign somebody to that issue to make sure the following week when we're in our next meeting, we're following up with the the issues from the week before. And so that gives everybody kind of ownership in what we're doing. Um, It's a very transparent and flat organization. Talk to me about your field staff, Heather. One of the other things that we started whenever um, we decided to really grow this hospice organization is making sure that our field staff was taken care of and that they were happy. Because these are the nurses and the aides that are going out to see multiple patients, you know, a day and a week and having to chart on it, then having to deal with their own children and their own families. And it's a lot. It takes its toll on on people. And most hospice organizations right now, each nurse and each aide has, you know, 20 to 25 patients on their caseload. And that's 20 to 25 people they're seeing a week. Um, and that just seemed too much to us. And and honestly, that came from when I was a kid and remembering my mom going to work and being gone all day long and then coming home and huffing and puffing sure. because she was sitting on the couch doing documentation for hours and hours and hours. And so we decided to have a very low nurse to patient ratio and a very low aid to patient ratio. Mm -hmm. So we only allow our nurses and our aides to have about 12, maybe 15 patients on their caseload if we get a big pop in in referrals, you know, throughout that one week. Um, That way they can go home and spend more time with their family, relax. They're not charting all night long. But then on the flip side of that, our patients can be seen more often. They can have longer visits. Their families can be educated more thoroughly, as well as the facility. If they're in a facility, their staff can be educated better. And so I just feel like even Uh though that's patient care, that still is surrounding our culture of the company because we want to make everything better for not only our patients, but also for our team members that work so hard at what they do. You know, that's that's really interesting. And I'm, I made some notes and uh, there are a couple of things. But before we leave this, you know, uh, nurse patient ratio. Uh, so what I heard really is there is a focus on work life balance. But you took a, a little different slant on it than what I typically hear, because not only does it benefit your employees, uh, 
I heard you, you know, and it's really interesting comment that you feel that it also benefits the patients as well because they get more attention and more care. Is that right? Absolutely. And and not only the attention from the care side of things, but their nurse can go home and relax and be with their family and regroup and come back at 100% tomorrow um, and not, you know, having to jump from patient to patient to patient and just be exhausted all the time and not having spent time with the family and that kind of thing. And so all of that was very crucial when we were coming up with a game plan for how we were going to build this organization. Gotcha. The other thing I made note of is the comment you made, uh, you know, everyone has a voice and that I believe you mentioned that that came from one of your owners and, uh, you know, it's a very powerful uh, statement in just a few words. Uh, and, and so, but talk can be cheap sometimes. So how is that demonstrated in your organization? Everyone has a voice. So when is it communicated? Is it during orientation? Uh, how is it communicated to your employees and how is it demonstrated? It's the, the beginning of that communication is started in the interview process, actually, because we want people oh. to know that they're going to be empowered in this company and their voice will be heard. Each one of our team members, they do something specific and they're an expert at what they do, whether it's, you know, the the intake coordinators or medical records or, you know, clinical staff. Everybody has an expertise. I could not go out and do a nurse's job. I could not sit down at an intake position and, and put patients into the system and, and pull records and that kind of thing. And um, so we rely on their expertise to come up with ideas that might make our organization flow better. So several years ago, one of our team members came up with the idea of doing pet therapy and felt like we were in a really good position to start that. And within the next week, there was a animal there was a pet okay. therapist the pet was in training and we were on the right track to start that therapy process within the next month so everything's in full force with us if it's a good idea yeah. if it makes sense it. we're going to do it yeah. um and we're going to do it as quickly as we can because our patients will benefit from it now rather than later so that's that's always been very important to our organization and, and how we kind of hear everybody's ideas and thoughts and and good ideas Wow, those are great points, Heather. Let's take a quick break and then we can wrap things up. Did you know that most employees quit their boss before they quit their company? At Flagship Talent, we take your bosses and create organizational leaders. We bring over 30 years of leadership development and coaching expertise to your organization and have developed leaders in most parts of Europe, mainland China, Thailand, and the Americas. We have also developed leaders in most industries, including hospice and other small healthcare. Our approach is always customized to your specific organizational needs. We utilize a leadership coaching approach for individual managers, identifying their skills gaps and providing just-in-time training to address the gaps. We then coach the manager in a way that facilitates the application of new learning and skills in their unique work environment and helps them overcome their specific challenges. We also offer customized leadership training on your site to develop your entire leadership team. We are committed to meeting your scheduling challenges and within your budget. Need a virtual option? We have that too. We offer online development for your managers and make it available on their schedule. To learn more, contact Jeff Parsons by email at jeff at flagshiptalent.com or by phone at 1-800-530-4189, extension 101. Your managers have the greatest impact on employee engagement, performance, and retention. What are you waiting for? Let's take your managers and create leaders. 
Okay, we're back with Heather Thompson, Vice President of Ultimate Home Health and Hospice. And, and we're nearing the end of our discussion, Heather. Uh, I'd, I'd like to thank you again for your willingness to contribute to the thought leadership for hospice and other small health care. Is there anything else you'd like to say regarding workplace culture? You know, one of the things that's most important to me that I love to do on a monthly basis, our HR director is incredible, and she's very encompassing of everybody's time, um, their workload, but she's also very passionate about celebrating one another. And so once a month, we get together for a party, and we celebrate birthdays or anniversaries. Here recently, we've even expanded to new homeownership and children graduating, um, you know, amongst our team and just celebrating everybody's personal lives and their accomplishments, big and small. We eat together, we have cake together, we talk, we laugh, and we just stop working for an hour. And it's so, so valuable. We get to know one another on a personal level. We get to be friends, you know. I feel like I've gained more friends working at Ultimate than I have in the last 15 years. Um, wow. And so, you know, we just kind of take the badges off and we sit down and we celebrate each other. Well, it, it sounds as though you look for an excuse to recognize other people and you look for an excuse to celebrate. Absolutely. Absolutely. It it helps us not only with the heaviness of our jobs, but it helps us just to appreciate one another better and um, really learn to like one another on a personal level because that makes everybody happier at work if you're working with your friends. How could, how could you fail at that? <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Anything else, Heather? No, sir. I, I truly appreciate um, everything that we've discussed and your time and willingness to hear about Ultimate. It's been yeah. fun. It sounds like a fun place to work, you know, sounds like an enjoyable place to work. And I really do appreciate uh, your thoughts around workplace culture and the importance of recognition. So keep that up. And uh, you always have an open invitation uh, to contribute to this podcast, Be the Flagship. I really appreciate it, Heather. Thank you, Jeff. Okay. So let's end with a quote today, shall we? And this quote is very relevant to the discussion with Heather Thompson, and it certainly hits on some of the points that she made. And the quote is by Albert Schweitzer. And the quote is, success is not the key to happiness. Happiness is the key to success. If you love what you're doing, you will be successful. What a great quote. Have a great rest of your week. Be the flagship in your industry. And we'll catch up next time. Bye now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be the Flagship with Jeff Parsons. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did like it, please subscribe and share with others. Until next time, take the step to become the flagship in your marketplace.